back to On Being People, our podcast where we look at what it means to be human beings, what it means to be people through the lens of the Bible. We try and get a God's eye perspective as much as we can on all things to do with being people. Uh, my name's Keith Baker. I'm Paul Lucas. And we're both uh, pastors here at St. Paul's Castle Hill in Sydney, Australia. Uh, how's things going with you, Paul? Yeah, things are going pretty well, actually. Yeah. We're finding kind of some rhythm in the COVID area era at the moment. Uh, lots going on. Got to do a few talks over the next couple of weeks. So just getting those under my belt. And things at home are really good. Family's well. Nice. So we're pretty happy at the moment. Excellent. How about you? How are yep. you going? Yep, traveling well. We are looking forward to some holidays shortly. Oh, We've nice. found a place near the beach. We're going to spend a few days and that will be good for our souls, I think. How awful for you. <laughs> <laughs> Now, today's topic uh, is an interesting one. Uh, a couple of people have asked me why the title On Being People. Um, well, one reason is we wanted to call it On Being Humans, and that was already taken. Yeah, it, it was. was a great C.S. Lewis <laughs> essay called On Being Humans. And we went, <laughs> But we figured out that actually On Being People would get us to the same thing. I did some nerdy kind of looking up of the etymology, the background of the word people, and, I, and what I, it comes from the 1300s, Anglo-French, and this is what I found. It says people means humans, persons in general, men and women. And it's that middle bit that we want to talk about today, persons. Now, why list both of those two different words? What's different between a human and a person? Isn't a person just a human? That's a good question because not everyone agrees no, that that don't. is the case. And so we want to uh, have a bit of a think about that, have a bit of a survey of what some of the thinking is about what personhood means and what are some of the implications of that and where we can go to in the Bible and our theological thinking that might inform our own thinking about that. Yeah, that's good. That's our you know mildly ambitious <laughs> goals for today. In half an hour. Yeah, in half an great. hour. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> See how we go with how that. How we go. Yeah. I think uh, one way of wording that, I read a great article by, um, well, it was an article by Michael Jensen, and he actually described it as he was writing the article, is what makes someone a someone? Yes. Okay, so trying to figure out what that person, that middle bit of the um, definition you gave is. Yep. So how are we going to, like, we've got to think about that difference you were talking about. What is being a human being and being a person, how are they kind of, sit together and you're right a lot of people do um split them and so there are some philosophers who will say oh, i think it's the same thing and they're trying to talk in a metaphysic sort of meta metaphysics sphere there are other people that say that they're different so you've got to think about nature mm -hmm. and person so um is that what makes is that one of the differences that we have to figure out so when you say nature there what, yep. what do you mean well, we might talk about the idea of human nature. So there's something about being human. Uh, another word that gets tossed around is essence. Right. Right. Uh, that's our, so uh, this is going to spoil my great moments in theology, um, theological anthropology later on. Repetition is a great teaching technique, okay. brother. <laughs> Thank you. So much affirmation. <laughs> um, this idea that we're asking the one question, human nature asks the question, what is it? But, uh, human uh, being a person asked who is it yeah okay so those two questions actually i think show the distinction quite yes nicely. the what versus the who yeah yeah 
Okay. Yeah. And so when we're thinking about the distinction between being a human and being a person, that's where people are, are saying, well, a, a human is just a thing and there are lots of things in yep. the world. So why should humans be considered in a different way, a different type of thing to other things in the world? Like what's the difference between a human being and a chair, for instance, in terms of what I should do with them? Can I pick the chair up and throw it against the wall? Yeah. Well, maybe, unless I damage the wall or whatever, but I can't pick a human being up and throw them against the wall. There's something different about those actions because of the, the well, the nature of those things. One of them's a person, one of them's not a person. Does that make a difference to how we think of them, how we treat them, how we consider them? what's right or wrong for mm. how we interact with them. Maybe to come back on that, the, the nature of the thing means that I can throw it against the wall because mm -hmm. I could actually throw a human against the wall. Yes. But because they're a person, I won't. Like If I'm angry, I'm going to pick the chair up and throw it because it doesn't have any kind of uh, – we'll talk about what that might have in a minute. But, yep. uh, but with a human being, even though I could still throw it against the wall, there is something about it or this idea of person that says I'm not going to do that. Yes. Maybe that's the distinction. Yes. Yeah. And when it's I'm not going to, is that we, we bring in categories in there of this action would be wrong. Yes. So morality. This action w would be um, not what most people would think would be right or not what for other reasons I would think would be right. And again, we're going to get into that because um, – personhood does impact on morality and decisions about how we interact with yeah. <laughs> the the thing whatever it is yeah. if it's a person we interact with it differently so so what allows it to be called a person and and you know there might be people listening to this going what are you guys on like seriously <laughs> um and i have sympathy to that point of view trust me <laughs> Particularly some of the things that I've read, I've gone, read, what are you on? You know, yeah. um, but there is a lot of this out there um, and it's sort of smuggled into a lot of um, our thinking about different ethical topics yep. that most people might not actually be aware of. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah. So how then have people gone about working out what things in the world should be considered persons? Yeah. Or not. So we're not just talking biblical or Christian here. We're just talking generally what people would say. Generally what people, because I think then we're going to bring the Bible in and critique some of that way of thinking yeah. and work out where our anchor points are in the, yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. Well, well, there is some different categories that people try to put on this and, and philosophies, which you're probably aware of yourself. Um, there was one little thing that you and I saw uh, and read about, and they divided it up into five areas. So, mm -hmm. um, what makes a person could could be in the realm of genetics. Mm -hmm. So that would make you a person because you have to have a certain genetic makeup. They talked about cognitive. So what what you think, the fact that you can think, the fact that you can reason. Mm. Um, another area or another category that they put that could define personhood was social. Did you want to talk, talk about what social might be? I think it's the idea of whether other people think that you're valuable. There it is. And it's, it's dangerous, actually. You can see because uh, 
what that opens it up to is who you define as a person changes as the culture changes. Yeah. And do we really want to go down that path? Because we've seen some terrible movements in history mm. where certain um, races have been treated in different ways because they've been considered less valuable than others. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm already, I'm sort of giving my hand away here because I think the biblical point of view wildly critiques that. Yeah, it does. Uh, but this is one of the ways that, um, that people have suggested we define persons with who, who other people think are valuable. Yeah. Now, I think there is something in that category that can be redeemed from a biblical point of view. Yep. Um, but we'll get there. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll yeah. get there. Yep. Yeah. Well, so we'll just finish off the category. Yep. So another one is sentience. So the fact that people can sense things. Mm. Um, is that a point at which you become a person? Yeah. I think that one's particularly associated with the Australian philosopher, Peter Singer, yeah. who works in the States. It is. He has this uh, category of persons sentience, self-awareness and um, pleasure and pain, the ability to kind of feel those and express those. Mm. You know, some of his thinking uh, allows for babies, you know, in the early, in the first year of life who don't mm. have a sort of self-awareness to be considered less than people. People, yeah. And he would actually even say those babies, those human babies should be less considered persons than say some great apes or yeah. a, a dog yeah. who's a valued part of a family type of thing. Now that's some really scary paths to go it down. It is. And even, even his position has led him to make comments even about the disabled and yeah. things like that, which are really unhelpful. Yeah. I mean, you've got to hand it to him for sticking to what his beliefs are, but that doesn't make them helpful. Um, so yeah. So he's led him down some paths that are really not good. Mm. Um, but it is a category on which we can think about when is a person a person. And the last one is gradation or a fifth one. Yep. And I'm just trying to remember what that was. <laughs> I think that was the idea that um, you'd, it's it's not a switch that's on or off, that you you grow into uh, personhood. Oh, that's you have, right. You have... <laughs> It's not really helpful either. But the idea is you, you have a little bit of personhood and then as you grow, you have a bit more personhood. More, right. But then you get to a point where I guess you have peak personhood and after that you start losing personhood. Yeah. And and therefore, you know, it's again a way of ranking different human beings. Someone has more personhood than another person and therefore should get more attention than, than others. Yeah. Uh, this is disastrous for the elderly. Yeah. Um, it disastrous is. for the disabled um, you know, disastrous for, for infants, really, if you think the, the, the implications of a lot of this. Mm. The other problem I have with it is, says who? Yeah. So how do you come up with the, the, where to draw the line? That's exactly right. Um, there's, there just seems to be this um, wild, speculative, um, I'll make it up. Yep. And, and, and that you can't run... A society based on that. <laughs> well, you get to decide personhood, and then Hugh, you get to decide it's something different because you reckon it's this, and yeah. and, and we get left with who has the power to define it, you know, and that's yeah. that's that's disastrous. That is disastrous. Yeah, and how do we then judge who, why that person can actually make that decision? Because we that's 
one of the big dilemmas of our law course, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we forgot to say hi to Hugh. Hi, Hugh. Hello. Hi, Hugh. <laughs> it's good they to see you, brother. That's my <laughs> bad. You'd think we'd have it by fourth episode. It just shows how amateur we really are. <laughs> Hugh Absolutely is the one not. who makes us look and sound good, brother. And that's just a reminder of all of that. <laughs> yeah. Did you want to add anything to those sorts of things? Or have you thought about personhood in other categories? I was just thinking of what you were saying then about how the, ca- the ability for it to change over time based on who is in charge and how that, mm. that thinking has changed over time in general, I think, about how we categorise different sections of personhood or, or different, in, specifically around the law, mm. uh, it's changed a lot over time and people still want it to change, but it's kind of interesting the way that different social groups and different politicians and different like movements in history seem to define it and change it as they go. And I think that's a really kind of interesting thing to look at to see what motivates that and what is driving that and who benefits from that. I mm. think it, it, to look a little bit further out to say, okay, what's anything that the law changes around personhood, what does that mean for the rest of society and, yeah. and, and who loses and who wins? Yeah, yeah that's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, thanks. The genetic one, I think there's something to that, uh, not because of the genes, but because the genes make up humans <laughs> and humans are made in the image of God. Now, uh, again, I don't want to press too tightly into the gene kind of part of it because um, a lot of people with... Um, disabilities have different genetic makeups that is they're missing genes or they're missing parts Mm. so we had some friends with a daughter with angelman syndrome and it's it's a gene is is missing and uh that affects her cognitively behaviorally in in profound ways like very very significant ways now we wouldn't want to say because her specific you know genetic makeup is is different that therefore she's less of a person than any other human being with you know let's say that the typical the normal um set of set of genes so i wouldn't want to go down there that avenue but i would want to say human beings Mm. you know maybe we say those born of human beings is the easiest way um human beings equals persons I'm going to say that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to separate them. I'm not going to separate them at all. Here's why. (laughs) 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 Uh, I think trying to think theologically about it, that's, that's the aim of this. We've said in our first episode that human beings are made in the image of God. Yeah. Okay. What I think that means, the image of God in Colossians 1 is Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay. And so what God had in mind at the beginning when he created human beings in the image of God is to be a human being like Jesus. Okay. Jesus is always in relationship with the Father and the Spirit. So Jesus is part of a community, which is why when God says it's not good for man to be alone, men and women are made and it's men and women in the image of God. So there is something about their humanity and their otherness needing to relate to each other. Mm. That's part of them. Jesus is a person though. He's the second person of the Trinity. Yes. And so being made in the image of Jesus bestows on us that same sort of personhood. I think the personhood of Jesus there is he's, he's, the, the second person, he's the son. 
his personhood is defined by his relationships with others. And our, as part of our personhood that's defined by our interactions mm. with others. Our, so that's why I think there's something in that social element. Mm. But I actually think the biggest part of all that that, def- that defines our personhood from a social point of view is that we're known by God. Yeah. You know, and we touched on this in our first episode. Yeah. That is, we're always in a relationship because we're made by a relational God. Yeah. And so that's why the cognitive one, little test down there, I think fails. Yeah. Because it's not about our capacity to know others uh, as to, to be belong to that category. Mm. It's our capacity to be in relationship and we're always known by God. Yeah. The cognitive also includes just knowing, right? Yes. Whether that's relationship or not. Can I ask you about the Jesus? Like you said Jesus, um, part of his, what makes him a person of the Godhead mm. um, is his relationship to others. Yes. Are you talking about, when you say others, are you encompassing his relationship with the Father and the Spirit as well as his relationship with humanity? Uh, well, I think ultimately that's true, although he was a person before creation as well. Sure. Yeah. So he's a person before his incarnation. Yeah. He's a person before creation. But but clearly uh, th- his personhood is, I don't want to say expanded. That's probably some sort of heresy that would get me burnt. But it's... it's, uh, <laughs> it's um, this is a safe place. It's, uh, I don't know. It's altered in some way. Let me use that fuzzy language because after the creation, after the incarnation, the resurrection, glorification, he is united with humanity in that humanity is in Christ by the spirit. The the bridegroom is united to the church Mm. in a way that it's not before creation. And so he is the groom in a way that he wasn't before creation. And so the groom becomes part of his personhood. That I, that that label of yeah. that uh, role, I should say, of being the groom, just like the role of being the Messiah. Mm. Um, the second person of the Trinity is not the Messiah before the creation of the world, mm. even though it's God's plan before the creation of the world yeah. that he will come and sacrifice and be the Messiah. But mm. there is a sense in which... He takes on that part of his personhood. Let's put my microphone really amateur out here. Uh, takes on that nature of his personhood um, in the incarnation when he's born, declared by the angels to be, you know, the, the Messiah from the line of David, grows mm. up, uh, is perfectly obedient to the Father, uh, dies as a representative takes his throne in the resurrection. You know, he's yeah. vindicated by God in the resurrection. Yeah. Um, so, so the persons of the God who Godhead most profound, um, uh, most profound when, when we, when we look at creation, but also salvation. Yeah. Um, because there we get to see not just the relate, the perfect glorifying, loving relationship in within God himself, but there's an outworking of it as he relates to, those who are made in his image. So what I'm saying there is um, I heard recently one way of thinking about the persons of the Godhead is that God the Father is the initiator. Mm-hmm. God the Son is the 
accomplisher, mm -hmm. God the Spirit is the applier. Mm -hmm. I thought it was actually really helpful. Yeah, I think really that's clever. very helpful. But that is how God is towards us, not just, well, I suppose within himself too, I suppose. So, so you need that relationship between yes. the maker and its creation to see the profundity of the persons of the Godhead. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. I yes, I think you're right. And the thing with it is um, we only know God as he is towards us. That's we don't right. know really what God is like before the creation. Um, he is not less than what he's revealed to us, but he's more. more. Yeah. That is... Um, the, the way he's revealed himself to us in salvation uh, is true, but not comprehens comprehensive of God. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, that the personhood there we understand is God, all of those uh, persons of God acting towards us. So when you say the father is the initiator, initiator mm. of what? Initiator of m creating and redeeming. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's let's keep going. Actually, can I ask you on that just again to um, how can you explain a little bit more the personhood of God the Father and of the Holy Spirit? Because I think it's, it's maybe confusing about, or to me at least, about the way of what you said before about human beings being, you know, like persons being born of human beings. How does that work in relation to the Holy Spirit and to God the Father? Yes, <laughs> good question. Um, Not to catch you out, but <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, well, the the first human beings are created in the image, and thereafter, all those born of human beings are of the same image. That's that's yep. pretty much how that works. So, uh, the the personhood is about how they are viewed and valued um, by others. And particularly by God. So the person of the Son is loved by the Father and the Spirit. The person yep. of the Father is loved by the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit is loved by both. So that it, God is being in community. That's why each of the <laughs> persons, the person is the best word to use for each member of the Trinity, if you yeah. like, because it's a relational category um, and it's a category of relational value, if you like. And so being made in the image of the second person uh, means we're known, we, we should treat each other with value, hence the commandments. Um, that's The commandments are all about... Um, you should, here's how you should act towards each other and towards God because you're relational beings and everyone's value. Don't mm. murder, you know. Yeah, Don't, because you have value. Yeah, yeah, because you have value, because you made an image, because you're a person. Mm. Um, and the relational aspect, I think, is, the, is probably one of the keys to that. Yeah. Because, you know, God actually doesn't have to create. He doesn't have to make us. He doesn't have to make human beings. He's perfectly happy and fulfilled in himself. But that's because he's relational within the Godhead. And I, I, I also add that not only is there this perfect love between them, there's a perfect glorification between them, yes. each one seeking the good of the other, yep. which is a great way for us to be brought into the relationship with God and with each other, yep. seeking the good of each other. So that relational thing then boosts our value. So in that sense of like personhood comes before human beingness, in a sense, as in like 
it's not like you are, you know, you are, a, a, say, a physical human being and then you become a person, like how some of those categories saying how yeah. there's like a, a gradation of personhood as you, yeah. you know, age and grow as opposed to personhood is applied first and then yeah. you are born into that as humans because God the Father and God the Spirit and God the Son were also, and Jesus is the Son were also like persons before yeah. creation. Mm. Is that like what you what you mean by that? I, I think it is. And um, it actually... What, what it actually also means, if I can pick up on what you were saying there, is that it means that we are someone in the mind of God, which kind of takes us yes. to the social one. Yes. Mm. So, so my reality isn't the fact that I have a form, because Jesus takes on yeah. my form too yeah. as a human, as while keeping his divinity. So it's not just taking on my form, but I'm actually in the mind of God. Mm. And, and for God to do that one Psalm 139 will tell me that you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Therefore, there is something of my personhood already in the mind of my maker. Yes. Yeah. And the key word there yes. is you needed me, not you needed a thing, me as, as, as an identity. Mm. You know, you needed me together. That's the psalmist saying. Yeah. So me as a, per, that's a person expressing themselves. Yeah. They were a me in the womb. They were not a thing who became a me. Yeah. After they were born. You know, that, that's really crucial. Yeah, it is. Does that answer your question? Definitely. I okay. think that just explains it in that sense of like order in terms of physical being and personhood. That's no, that's very helpful. Can I throw in a quote here? Yes, Because I think speaks to all this. Yeah. I, this was clarifying for me. This is from an author called Nancy Piercy, American author. She says, a Christian concept of personhood depends not on what I can do. That's the cognitive, all yep. those sorts of things but on who I am, that I am created in the image of God and that God has called me into existence and continues to know and love me. Human beings do not need to earn the right to be treated as creatures of great value. Our dignity is intrinsic, rooted in the fact that God made us, knows us and loves us. Mm. So there's your yeah. in the mind of God, God. You know, knows us, and but not not just uh, I know they're there, but knowing as in loving. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's really good. And and isn't that profound? Like I just it really is because there there is the anchor point. We're happy for um, things to change in our world in terms of whatever, but only if it changes to get more back to what this is. Oops, yeah. there, amateur arrogant just did it. <laughs> um, change back to the truth that's anchored outside of our subjectivity, mm. outside of political movements, you know, outside of um, current trends in thinking or whatever. Mm. It's, it, it's, it secures the dignity of everyone. It does. It's profound. Yeah. yeah that's great. The thing I loved about that quote too is that she touched on form, so the human form, as well as the relational. Yeah. And that, that how closely connected those two things are for us as human beings. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously speaks into things like God is other, those, all those sorts of things and how, why we should revere him. Yes. But it, it grabs both. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important. Because yeah. God does care about the form or the physical. Yes. Incarnation. Yes. <laughs> and resurrection. Uh, as well as the whatever that personality or pers person is behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. We're embodied beings, yeah. aren't we? Nice. Yeah. Um, and the resurrection 
is like the seal of the goodness of embodiedness. It is. Jesus doesn't rise as a spirit. Yeah. He rises bodily. That's crucial to our thinking of, you know, what human beings actually are, what's valuable about them. Yeah. And so our our existence for eternity will be embodied. Mm. Not not this one. It'll mm. mine will be, you know, yep. be a bit better and won't decay and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, but See, I wonder, will I actually able to rip the perfect leg spinner in heaven because I'll have a perfect body? I don't know. Well, you might be able to. I yeah. remember one college lecturer saying he thought we'd get our 25-year-old body back. Yeah. Which I really <laughs> wouldn't mind at all. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. then I think, well, what if you didn't make 25? And yeah. And what happens then? So anyway, God has anyway, all that in mind. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, well, maybe this is a – did you want to talk more about that or can I move on to great moments? Let's have great moments in th- Theological anthropology. anthropology. So this was hard because I read some really interesting articles on. I read a great article um, uh, from the Scottish Journal of Theology. It sounds pretty boring, I know. But it was an interesting one um, on, on thinking about human capacity and incapacity. Uh, and it was a theological exploration of personhood. And he made some really interesting points. And I thought, oh, this is going to be it. You know, It sounds good and that sort of stuff. But I actually... After reading um, a more recent article which um, by a lady by the name of Lydia Jager, which was, I thought, really helpful. Um, so I thought I'd take a quote from her today, yeah. which I kind of alluded to. So which I kind of alluded to at the beginning. Sorry, Hugh. That's all right. amateur hour. Uh, alluded to at the beginning. And her quote is this. She says, the notion of nature or essence refers to the set of characteristics that describe a being. It designates what a being is. The, no, the notion of nature answers the question, what is this? The person, on the other hand, is the one who bears the characteristics of a nature. So the notion of a person answers the question, who is this? Yeah, that's really good, isn't it? She's put it beautifully. So uh, just to see if I understand, the human nature is that we are body and soul uh and so we're describing kind of what makes up a human being yes um and the personhood is about who and who then is really only defined in sets of relationships isn't it you know whose whose son is this whose daughter is this whose husband is this whose teacher is this whose yeah i think that picks it up because she talks about the person is the one that bears the characteristics of the nature. So yeah. relational, uh, who is who am I related to? Who was I made by? Where am I going? Yeah, all those kind. Of, that's the characteristics of the nature. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so she, that's really good. Yeah, she it was a great article actually. Yeah, fantastic. It's called Christ and the concept of person. Worth yeah. reading. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think be worth just reflecting on a few of the implications of some of the things we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, there was a big case in the United States in 1973 uh, called Roe versus Wade. And the Supreme Court in, uh, uh, of the USA made a, a sort of declaration about personhood that's affected things ever since. Mm. It, it declared that uh, babies in utero are not persons. Mm. They are human beings, but they're not persons. And therefore, they uh, uh, do not fall under the constitutional protection Mm. um, that other persons do. 
and and thus opening up for sort of termination and things like that. Yeah. Um, now, without wanting to speak, you know, words for the people who've been through terrible situations, we mm. want to. There's always grace and compassion for people who've been through things. I think just thinking up to a sort of theological and ethical level, what we're talking about means that that babies in the womb are persons, yeah, and therefore. Uh, should get the same protections mm. as as any other person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and they're persons because they go but beyond the categories that we talked about before. Yes. Not just because they fall into them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We want to make that clear. Yeah. And, and and that the Roe versus Wade thing actually came close to home. I think it was in the early two thousands with Zoe's law. Yeah. And what that what that meant. So that was a lady who was pregnant and lost her baby because of a drunk driver. Should he have been charged for manslaughter of the baby what what do we do with that it's another implication yes if the baby is a person yes he so justice needs to be served on him for what he did um if she's not then what what, what do we do in that case so per, so what we think about personhood actually has massive implications yes in the area of termination but also in the area of well if someone's pregnant what happens and that baby is lost yes it's yep. interesting um we're chatting the other day about uh the uh, Ground Zero in New York City and, yep. and the memorial around where the buildings used to be. Um, and, and it's really interesting because there's all the names of the people that lost their lives on that memorial, but there's about half a dozen where it says this, uh, this woman lost her life and her unborn baby. Yes. And even having that memorial means that we're actually allocating, I think, personhood to that baby. Yeah. Because they're remembered. Yes. It just goes back to what we said about God earlier. They're remembered, which is interesting in a city that's passing laws to say, let's get rid of even late term termination. Yeah, yeah. Um, but by doing that, we're attributing personhood to, because we're remembering. Yes. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it is yeah. amazing. And there's, there's great contradictions in this area because, yeah. you know, I think nobody would argue with the rightness of putting that memorial there. Yeah. But it doesn't actually line up with what is being said yeah. in other areas. You think, hang on, they, they, those two don't actually fit together. Yeah. You know, um, this also has implications for how we treat uh, the elderly, yeah. um, particularly as they become less physically able, or if they get afflicted with things like dementia. Yeah. Um, you know, there is an argument around the saying, well, if a person has dementia and can't remember any of their relationships. Are they actually still a person? Yeah, and that's where being anchored in being known by God uh, gives full dignity to those people. Yeah. They should be treated with full dignity, no matter how difficult they can become to deal with. Just because they you know, often they be angry or mm. don't know where they're going or or whatever, um, that person is going to get. Potentially, well, they are going to get a resurrection body mm. and they will be treated with dignity by God for all the decisions that they made in their life mm. and particularly the decision that they made regarding his son yeah. and his offer of salvation to them. Yeah, that's great. So uh, we need to treat those people with dignity right up yeah. until the end. Yeah, we do. Yeah, And we can even say that that, that, that personhood is not just anchored in the because they're in the mind of God or known by him, but even to the point of of the hope that they have. Mm. So my personhood is anchored there because of the resurrection, which you just said. Mm. 
because I think that's with people who do have dementia, that sort of stuff, that's true. And I, but I also think it for people who might lose lose babies through miscarriage or yes. born, born early, yes. it's not the fact that they didn't have some life to remember, but they had someone in God remembering them. So in the resurrection, that's where their personhood lies, not yes. in the short time they may have had here. Yeah, that's really good. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other implication we, worth spelling out is uh, how we treat people with profound disabilities. Yes. Um, you know, people like Peter Singer have, have said uh, they, that money, time, resources should not be spent on those with profound disabilities because they're not persons. You mm. know, they're, they're, they are less valuable than, say, you know, um, sent, sentient apes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and that's terrible. Mm. <laughs> um, those with profound disabilities, again, their personhood is anchored in the fact that God knows them. They're made in, God, in the image of Jesus. Mm. Like every human being, they're not perfectly like him yep. uh, because of the fall. But one day they will be given a resurrection body and they will be treated with dignity by God um, for whatever capacity they have to know him. And yeah. God will, will treat those people with mercy and with justice yep. like he does with everyone. Mm. And so, again, this is why you find, I, I, my experience has been found a lot of Christians working in the field mm. of caring for those with disabilities because they have this view of their personhood. Mm. Um yeah, and and particularly the Christians I've found working in this field, uh, the ones who do treat those people with dignity, not they're not they're not in it to for what they can get out of the relationship. Although often they find they get lots out of the relationship yeah. anyway, but that's not why they're in it to get they're they're in it to give and treat those people with dignity because of their understanding of God's love mm. and what that person is in God's eyes. Yeah. So yeah. Fantastic. Mm. Well, we come to our very interesting part. Favourite segment of the Favorite week, we could argue. <laughs> bad poetry. Oh, no, sorry, we're not calling it bad poetry. Baker poetry. Sorry, I, I don't understand. This is, are you sledging me in the introduction to this there segment? Is, there is no sledging, brother. Look, you, you bring I, great delight and joy to well, us. I know my assignment is to go and find some poetry yes. to, to wrap up the segment. I still feel like it, you know, one day it's in me okay. to, to come up with the, the gem. So I just want to keep just cracking away at it. So I've had a go. Okay. I've had a go okay. on our topic for today. Is this potential viral material? Oh. Or is it... <laughs> it could cause that kind of sickness. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if... <laughs> If terrible poetry is on the record for causing that sort of um, sickness. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So this poem yes. is called Persons in the Know. Persons in the Know. K-N-O-W. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Right. Thanks for that clarification. Always helpful when Persons you spell out the title. in the know. <laughs> is a cat a person? No. Is a bat a person? No. Is a gnat a person? No. Unless that gnat is a Nathaniel, then I guess so. Is a car a person? No. Is a bar a person? No. Is Madagascar a person? No. 
unless that's what they called your cousin, then I guess so. Is a dog a person? No. Is a frog a person? No. Is a log a person? No. But you can log a person's actions. They're coming to and fro. Is a baby a person? Yes. Even all the time in the womb. Every human is a person. From conception to the tomb. And then even beyond. For we will all be resurrected. Our lives now and then all connected. For all in the image of the second person, are made and known. It's a big finish. I was going to say, it took, yeah. a, it took it, a turn it in the middle a, there, but yeah. I, I feel you really pulled it back <laughs> up at the end. <laughs> so you mentioned a bat. Is a bat a person? Y- yeah. What about a bat man? A bat man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's not go there. Or a cat woman. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, all right. So I did, I did actually find something good as well. Um, although interestingly, not a lot of Christians have written on the topic of personhood yeah. per se. What you I mean found... poets? What did I say? Men, people. You said not many people have written on personhood. Yes. You meant poets. poets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. poets. Um, this poem, though, talks about the personhood of God... And how this is speaking from a person's point of view to that personal God saying, I need you to break me out of my sinful uh, tendencies, my sinful captivity, which will, will lock me out of all that I'm meant to be. So, so God, come in and take me and release me to be all that you've meant me to be that you've created and redeemed me to be right so the poet is john dunn oh great okay it's from his sonnets number 14 this is what he says batter my heart three-personed god for you as yet but knock breathe shine and seek to mend that i may rise and stand overthrow me and bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. I, like a usurped town to another Jew, labor to admit you, but oh, to no end. Reason, your viceroy in me, sh- me should defend, but is captivate, captived and proves weak or untrue. Yet dearly I love you and would be loved fain, but I am betrothed unto your enemy. Divorce me, untie, or break that knot again. Take me to you, imprison me, for I, except you enthrall me, never shall be free, nor ever chaste, except you ravish me. That's great. Wow. So the guy can write. You know, I'll admit that. John Dunn can write. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wish people could have seen you presenting that too. <laughs> it was pretty animated, wasn't Arms it? Arms everywhere. 
Thanks, mate. Thanks for sharing. That's great. No great poem. Thank you so much for joining us uh, again with On Being People. Uh, hopefully there's some ideas and things that we've talked about today that will get your creative juices going. But also think about who you are um, as a person known by God, uh, what that means not just for who you are now but for your future and for the hope that you have in Jesus. Uh, we'll, we'll put the, some of the articles and books that we talked about on the uh, show notes so that you can have a look at those yourself if you want to. Um, and if you want to get in touch, touch with us, then you can do that. We'd love to hear from you as well. So thanks again for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. Yes, we will. Big thanks to Hugh for uh, making us sound better than we do normally. <laughs> no worries. And for the good questions. Yeah. Thanks, Hugh. So good. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us and we'll uh, see you next time. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>